know we're in the middle of a spiritual renewal worldwide. So I uh, just want to talk about what that looks like and just some things to be aware of. This is my pastor heart talking. So uh, I started uh, typing up my notes and I thought there's no way that I have enough time tonight to finish this. So we'll have to do part one and two. Um, anytime that God does something fresh in your life, uh, Satan and his kingdom will seek to attack and oppose you. How many hear what I just said? Now, that's a really important principle to know because, uh, you know, uh, the enemy knows. God knows if you make spiritual strides, draw near to God is the principle, and he will draw near to you. Well, we have to, we have to take the first step. It's kind of like the checker game. You make a move, God makes a move. You make a move, God's making, getting made a move. Truth is, he's already made a move towards us when he sent Jesus to the cross and he was raised from the dead, right? So then the next move is us. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We're born again. And then every spiritual stride after that, we make a move, God makes a move. We make a move, God makes a move. And every time we make a move towards God, the enemy seeks to hinder. How many hear me? So um, uh, one of the largest churches in the first century was the church in Ephesus. <clears throat> Excuse me, if you go to Acts 19, the Apostle Paul <coughs> excuse me, found some believers there. They were still following John the Baptist. You can read about it, and they came to Jesus, found out that Jesus had actually come. They're actually slower than the male today. I mean, it had been like 20 years since the day of Pentecost, and they just figured out Jesus had come. It had been, he had come decades before. So anyway, uh, the church was established. They came to the Lord. It's really an exciting time. Uh, and, and in fact, there was such a move of God that uh, people that worked in the demonic realm with witchcraft and paganism and all that kind of stuff, and they had their uh, King James Version calls it curious art books. They actually brought them, you remember, and, and they burned them in a fire, and it was, it was a lot, a lot of books and a, a lot of money that went up in the flame because there was a, such a move of God in the city of Ephesus and just a tremendous uh, spiritual power present. If you go read Acts 19, you can read about that. And, uh, and so uh, Timothy was the first pastor of the church in Ephesus, and he was a young man. And so First and Second Timothy, the apostle Paul wrote a letter to talk to a young man, Timothy, about being a pastor of a very large church. And then uh, and in, Fe- in the book of Ephesians, of course, is written to the, to the believers in Ephesus. In Ephesians 6.10, in the middle of that move of God, tremendous renewal, tremendous revival, God says to the people, Ephesians 16, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And this is familiar, but I want to read it anyway. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Everybody say schemes. Uh, the Greek word there is methodios, and it really comes from the word that we get odometer from in the English language. So Satan comes with the road. That is, he comes with a scheme, with a plan, and he's got a road into every life. So you need to be aware of the schemes or inroads of the devil into your life. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may may be able to resist in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now, he says, be able to stand in the evil day. The evil day that he's talking about there is a specific time when the enemy attacks you. Uh, every day is not necessarily the evil day. You have some days that are really great. 
and it seems like the sun's shining brightly and everybody's singing your tune and you're whistling right along with them and things are good. Other days, it's like there's nothing you can do from the moment you set your foot on the floor. You have resistance and irritation. Has anybody had any of those days like that recently? You don't even have to raise your hand. We all have them. So, you know, that's what he's talking about when he says the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your uh, waist gird with, girded with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Then he says, do all that, pray in the Spirit always with all kinds of prayer and supplication. To the end, be alert with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So the answer to the attacks of the enemy is to, is to be, keep ourselves spiritually clothed. Most of that clothing has to do with the Word of God. How many hear what I'm saying? I mean, most of it. We've got the helmet of salvation. We've got the girdle of truth. We've got, we've got the sword of the Spirit, right? So, again, praying in the Spirit. So what counteracts the, the attacks of the enemy? Well, it's prayer, and it's our standing our ground on the Word of God. But what I want to encourage you in is, is that every time you take a step towards God, there's always resistance. And don't let that hinder and keep you and me from what God has for us. How many hear what I'm saying? I was just thinking when I came in the door tonight, February 8th, 1977 was a, was a, was a Tuesday and I was working at a grocery store on the, gond- it's called a gondola, believe it or not, the very end of, a, of one of the shelf- pieces of shelving. And I was putting some product on there as uh, directed by the manager of the store. And right in the middle of that, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it's a long story, but to sh- the short of it is, God called me to preach. And I had planned to be a business person. And I was in school and college for different things. And, and God called me, and it was a really strong call and, uh, you know, it rattled my cage, and I said, wow, you really want me to preach? And I didn't even like to, I, I didn't like the public speaking courses I took in college. I mean, I threw up that day when I had to speak. It was so bad. So, you know, when God called me, that was a, a challenge in and of itself for me. And he didn't tell me what he wanted me to do, except he wanted me to give my life full time to him to serve other people for him. So that was a big challenge for me. An uncanny thing that happened, however, my dad worked for DuPont Nemours and Company, and uh, that was at the time in my hometown, Florence, South Carolina, a great place to work, and they had great benefits. And my dad, from the time I was young, said, you know, you could get a job where I work, and you know, Mitch, you would make really good money. And uh, I know the, the um, human resource people at the plant, he's a good friend of mine, uh, I can get you on there. So my dad kept, you know, doing everything he could do. And, uh, and so sure enough, uh, right after God called me, February of 1977, I got a call from Human Resources at the DuPont plant. And guess what? They wanted me to come in and interview. And my dad said, Mitch, you need to go ahead. How many know sometimes the enemy can even use your family members? In fact, I love my daddy, but I'm going to tell you, I almost wondered if my daddy even understood the dynamic that was happening when he did that. And um, so I... Uh, I, I went to the plant and, uh, you know, took test after test after test. And the very last thing was took a very invasive physical. And, uh, and then a few days later, um, they called me up. The, um, the Mr. In fact, I even remember the guy's name. It was Mr. Northern. He called me on a Friday. And it was, uh, it was like a month after God called me to preach. He said, well, we've got a position for you. A lot of people are wanting to work here. But we've got one especially for you. 
and you can start Monday morning if you like. I said, you've got to be kidding. He said, no, no. And it's like it's laying out there on a platter. All you got to do is, uh, you know, go through the door and you've got this job. And my dad kept saying, now, Mitch, you'll be set for life. I mean, whatever, you, um, you'll have all the money you need. You'll have security. You'll be able to get married, have a family, raise your children. You've got a good community here. You can buy a house. You can do everything that everybody does. And you'll have, uh, you'll, you'll have, uh, you'll have all you need. And, uh, and, and so that was presented to me. Y'all, I had a dream. I had a dream. And I was thinking about doing that, and everything, naturally speaking, looked like I should do that. That was the most pragmatic and practical course to take based on, you know, what, naturally speaking, I wanted my life to be like because it really was an amazing job with amazing benefits. I mean, it was just incredible. And uh, I had a dream. And in the dream, uh, I saw, in fact, I lived down a dirt road. My dad bought an acre of land in the middle of, I mean, really nowhere. And uh, but there were dirt roads all around, and, and you keep going past my house, and there's this dirt road. Then it forked, and there was an oak tree right in the middle, and it forked left and right. And I had a dream, and in that dream, I saw I saw that fork in the road, and I knew in the dream that I had a decision to make: which way am I going to take? Am I taking the left fork? Am I taking the right fork? And one of the forks was working at Dupont. The other fork in the road was uh, obeying God. And, and leaving behind all that could be. And it, for me, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was young. How old was I at the time? Yeah, I was 18 at the time. And uh, it was a big, a big choice for me. If I had taken the wrong fork, I'm not even sure I'd be alive today. But I'm just saying that it was so insidious the way that worked. It looked so right, but it was so wrong. How many hear what I'm saying? And see, that's the way the enemy works. So God had moved in my life a month before. And I mean, not even a month is after that is when all this happened. And I remember the day I said, Dad, I, I got to talk to you. I have decided that um, I can't take the offer from human resources at DuPont. I'm not working at DuPont. In fact, I'm quitting the college. I was going to be an electronics engineer, do some other things. And I said, I'm going to quit college, and I'm going into... Uh, I'm going to a full-time Bible school come, come fall. My dad's, you know, <laughs> if he had had false teeth, that would have been on the floor. He couldn't believe it. He, he looked at me like I was cuckoo. But, you know, the rest is history. And I'm just saying that that's the way life will be. The moment you make a decision to go full for God or make another, take, another, take another level spiritually, go to another level spiritually, how many know you're going to have resistance? So you just need to understand that. And that resistance comes in all kinds of ways. And I have a lot of things to share about that, but I'll probably get to that next week. What I want you to see is this happens to everybody. And we're right in the middle of, right in the beginning stages of God doing something fresh worldwide and local churches that will let him and people that will let him in the body of Christ. God wants to do something fresh in your life. Yes or no? And it's up to us individually to say yes. My job as a pastor is to warn you because to be forewarned is to be forearmed. When you take a step towards God, I mean, it's, you would, it's uncanny sometimes the resistance that comes. I want you to look, look with me with, at Jesus' ministry. I'm going to read some of this. I just want you to see the context of what happened. Jesus was, Jesus was 30 years of age. It's uncanny to me. Isn't it crazy to think that Jesus was the Son of God and God was his Father and he kept all that to himself? until he was revealed, until he was baptized by his first cousin, uh, John the Baptist, in the Jordan River. 
When that happened, all hell break, broke loose against Jesus' life because the enemy tried, tried from the beginning to curtail his ministry. So here it is, Matthew 3.13. Jesus, everybody here? Almighty quiet. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. John tried to talk him out of it. I'm, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he says. Why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and setting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, now, if you had an experience like that, you would sit for days and go, oh, God spoke. God spoke out loud. God spoke out loud and the Holy Spirit came on me. Uh, you know, it would addle you, right? Well, well, Jesus was God, the, the, the God man. He was human and man at the same time. So it obviously deeply affected him as well, even though he was God. This, this was a big turning point in his life. And then right after this supernatural experience, the next chapter, Matthew 4, verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted uh, there by the devil. And he, of course, you know the story. He fasted 40 days and night. I'm not going to take time to read that whole story, but the very end of that was after Satan tempted him the several ways that he did, and every time that he tempted him, of course, Jesus said, it's written, it's written, it's written. Get her out of here, basically. And then, and then verse um, uh, Luke 4, verse 13, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next uh, opportunity came. I think King James says, until another opportune time. How many know Satan always comes to attack the moment you make a choice for God, the moment you say, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray a little more. I'm getting in the Word a little more. I'm getting up a little bit earlier. You know, I'm stopped doing that. I'm not hanging out with that person anymore. I'm not going to get involved in that anymore. I'm giving my life to Jesus in a different way here. We make going to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, right? The moment you do that, that's when the enemy, you know he comes to attack and to hinder. And then here, Jesus, uh, Jesus at the very end of his ministry, uh, in fact, uh, the most impactful thing that Jesus did for us is when he gave his life on the cross. We know that we'll celebrate that at Easter on April the 9th. So. Um, but here it is, Luke 22, right at the end of Jesus' ministry. Festival of Unleavened Bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. The leading priests, teachers of religious law, were plotting how to kill Jesus. But they were afraid of the people's reaction. Then verse 3, then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, which was one of the 12 disciples. And, and that's when the process came that he brought the, they brought the authorities to Jesus and had him arrested and, and et cetera, et cetera. And so that happened just before the greatest, most impactful thing that Jesus was to do. I just want you to see the paradigm. And that is, you make an aggression towards God. Be aware the enemy's going to come up and try to hinder what God wants to do in your life. How many hear what I'm saying? And so let's fast forward to the book of Acts. Here's Peter and John in Acts 3. Of course, it's Acts 2. Holy Spirit was poured out. Several thousand people were converted. Uh, in fact, there were thousands that came to Jesus by Acts chapter 3. Peter and John uh, um, prayed for a man in the name of Jesus who was sitting at the, one of the uh, temple gates and he was raised up and uh, he was healed. And, and the moment that happened, it just increased the moving of the Spirit there in Jerusalem. And Acts 4.1 says, 
While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They arrested them since it was already evening, put them in the jail until morning. But many people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. That's just men. If you include the women, there could be in excess of 10,000 people in Jerusalem that were converted to Christianity. You get the idea? What happened right after all that occurred? Well, the religious people didn't like it. And you know what? Religious people get upset when you make a decision. I'm going to walk with God and I'm not going to go with the status quo. I want to give myself head over heels for Jesus. And that's what he's looking for today. Yes or no? Wow. And so it happened to them. And so, you know, they, got, they found themselves in jail and they interviewed them a little bit, finally let them out, you know, the story. And then they went and prayed with, uh, with their, uh, the group of people they were a part of. And so the Holy Spirit had been poured out. Uh, thousands were saved. The lame man was healed. The church grew at an astonishing rate. And even at the same time that happened, uh, uh, disciples were raised up, um, uh, the first deacons of the church in Acts 6, came in vogue. Uh, uh, Stephen was one of those, and a tremendously powerful evangelistic anointing came on Stephen, and he preached a tremendous sermon to some religious people that didn't want to hear it, and they stoned him in Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 8, listen, here it is again. A great wave of persecution began that day, and that was the day that they, they, uh, per, that they stoned Stephen, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the, believer, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus everywhere they went. And then it talks about Philip's ministry. And I've got this in the notes, but I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. I just want you to see that, the, uh, that what happened is every single time there was a move towards God, the enemy tried to oppose and resist. You get the idea? It's a pattern. It's obviously there. And then after Philip's ministry, when the people in Samaria came to Jesus, and then Peter and John came from Jerusalem in Acts chapter 8, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Philip preached to the Ethiopian eunuch. You remember the story, right? And then supernaturally, Philip was translated. That is, maybe, maybe what's going to happen in the rapture of the church happened to Philip. He was in a chariot. He finished preaching to the eunuch, and pff, he's gone. You can't even see him. He's found 20 miles away in another city as Otis. It's 20 miles from where he was. Incredible miracles. Then Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats about every... Uh, with every breath about uh, and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. He went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperate, their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way um, that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. I, I'm just telling you, it just kept happening over and over again. Then when Saul was converted uh, on the Damascus road by Jesus and and then uh, Ananias had prayed for him and laid hands on him. And the power of God came on Paul's life. And, you know, he made an aggression towards Jesus. His whole life was changed. His whole life was transformed. And look what happened to Paul. Saul's preaching 
uh, of course, you know, he was uh, earlier called Saul. Saul's preaching, Acts 9.22, became more and more powerful. The Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. Uh, they were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. Can you imagine that? You just came to Jesus. You're full, you're full of fire. You're full of, of excitement because of who Jesus is. And people are trying to kill you. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket uh, uh, through an opening in the city wall. And it just kept going on and on and on. You go through Acts 11, then Acts 12, they arrested Peter. And uh, actually, they, um, King uh, Herod Agrippa began to per- persecute the believers in the church, Acts 12.1. He had the apostle James, John brother, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jews, he arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing it under the guard of the four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter, Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. And then the rest of that passage is about the angel appearing to Peter in prison. You know, a lot of these miracles that happened, their back was against the wall. There's nothing they could do. It looked like life was impossible from that moment forward, but God worked miracles. Miracles come when there's no other way. Did you hear what I'm saying? And so it happened to, it happened to Peter. It happened. I just wanted to see, see that every single time they, they had an aggression towards God, the enemy sought to oppose and withstand. And I thought, uh, withstand that in my own life, uh, I mean, all my life, every time I've, 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 I've taken a, a move towards Jesus, been to, uh, I went to my second Bible school. Susan and I were married in 1979. We moved to Oklahoma. And, and it's just uncanny how it just seems like every time we seek to obey God, all hell breaks loose. So don't be surprised if people that you think like you say some things that make you think they don't like you. You get that? And don't be surprised if circumstances don't rise up and it looks crazy. Why is this happening? Why is this going on? For me, I have weird things happen anytime I make an aggression towards God. You can have something happen to the car. You can have something happen to the washing machine. The dish, My dishwasher. I got a really nice dishwasher. It tried to mess up the other day, and sometimes you got to replace them because you wear them out. But I just said, no, you don't, devil. Stop it. Just stop because I had several things happen. And it's working fine right now. And I'll go buy another one when I need to. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying be, you know, in the ozone all the time about everything. Be practical, right? I'm just saying that you can tell the enemy resists and opposes and withstands any aggression you had towards the Lord. Yes or no? So I just want you to be aware of that. And I've got a lot of things to say about that. But I don't want to end with all of that. What I want to end with is, and I'll come back and talk about the ways that he attacks Next time, but I want to go to the very bottom of my, of my notes, and this is the last several things I wrote there. You have authority over the enemy 24 hours a day, uh, uh, se- se- uh, seven days a week. Yes or no? You always exercise authority over the enemy. And that's the reason we put on the whole armor of God. That's, what, that's the reason that having done all to stand, we have to stand therefore. You can never take a break when it comes to walking with Jesus and standing against your enemy. How many hear what you're saying? And now it's even more important to stand your ground, withstand, and resist, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. 
as Paul said to the believers in Ephesus. It's even more important to do that now because here we are. It looks like we're at the end of the age. World circumstances are lining up for a global power to take control and the nations of the world are beginning slowly, ever so slowly to make to acquiesce and make steps towards giving their authority to some kind of a global elitism that's going to Going to do some pretty crazy things. I'm just saying all that to say the Bible is fulfilling itself right now, right? Yes or no? Now is not the time to kick back and say, well, I can relax a little bit. You don't have time. Now, we can rest in God. We were praying yesterday in a circle in the back at 11 o'clock. And one of the themes that came out of the prayer as I was praying was God wants us to walk in rest. And that you can minister and you can live out of a state of rest. But it doesn't mean that you're inert and doing nothing spiritually it means that you're fervently seeking God and as you fervently seek God there's such a presence on you the enemy cannot stop what you're doing how many hear what I just said that's what I'm talking about so we have authority over the enemy I didn't want to leave this with you thinking oh my lord well uh, well why even walk with God why even make an aggression why not just be lukewarm why don't why not just stay where I am because the devil will still eat your lunch your dinner he will eat your breakfast and then keep you awake at night how many hear me so, so, you know, you have the options to walk with God, seek first the kingdom of God, but the option that is not on the table is to do nothing and be lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, you're going to lose today. And I said it Sunday morning, you stand on the fence, you're going to fall on the wrong side. And that's how it is today. And in fact, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 mentions there's going to be a great falling away before Jesus comes back. I don't like to read that. If you go look up the Greek word for falling away, it's the Greek word apostasia, and it really is a declension. It's a fall away, falling away from what you believe and how you live. It's a falling away from the Christian faith. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of those people. And I don't want anybody in this room or anybody listening online, I don't want you to be one of those believers who has become lukewarm, satisfied, and not seeking God fervently with all of your heart. We don't need to be the Laodicean believer who was lukewarm that Jesus said, you make me want to vomit. And we don't want to be the believers in Ephesus where Jesus said, you're doing all these great works, you're doing fine, you're going through the motions, you're doing a lot of philanthropic works and you're doing things to help the poor in your city and all, a lot of other people around you. But I have this one thing against you. You've left your first love. And see, Jesus wants us to come back to where we love him more than ourselves. And we, more lo we love him more than the things that we enjoy. How many hear me? Uh, in, in all kinds of ways. So uh, said all that to say, we have authority over the enemy. And my encouragement is in this hour, aggress towards God. Do what the practical half-brother of James said. Draw near to God, James 4, 8, and he will draw near to God, you. And you know when you draw near to God, the, the presence, here's my take, the presence more than takes up the slack for anything the enemy does. And I would rather have the presence of God on me for five minutes than have all the money in the world. Did you hear what I'm saying? Things, possessions, status, none of that matters. When you get in the presence of God, let me tell you, the presence of God is raw. The presence of God is real. The presence of Jesus is invasive. 
And the presence of Jesus asks for everything we are. Did you hear what I just said? Now I feel him manifesting. You feel that? As he's coming to the church today. And see, he's doing what he did in in Revelation 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he's knocking at every life. And he's knocking on the doors of churches. And he's saying to the pastors, what are you going to do? You going to keep doing what you've been doing? God, I want you to make a change. Will you let me in? Will you let me in in a different way? Man, he's going to individual believers. One at a time. And in whatever way he needs to, he's knocking at the door of your life. And he's saying, there's some things that are keeping me from from you. Really, it's the opposite. It's keeping you from me. I'm here. I'm waiting for you to make a step. And he's standing at the door. And he's saying, let me in. Let me in in a different way. Give up some things that are hindering your time. You know, it's not sometimes that for a lot of believers that they're doing anything that's necessarily wrong and sinful, but it is that they've lost their zeal and lost their fire. And now with all the gadgetry of the 21st century we have and all of the things that were supposed to make life easier, they've actually complicated life. And now the time we used to have, it seems like you've got to fight for because we try to put so much into every minute, every hour. You hear what I'm saying? And I hear for me, I'm, I'm telling, I'm, I hear God saying, I want you to back up. I want you to back up. You're listening so much, you're not hearing me. Uh, I mean, y'all, if you just, <laughs> I listen to podcasts. I read, I read uh, vociferously. I just read, read, read. And I keep hearing him say, man, sometimes you just need to back up and listen to me. So I made a change, for instance. Let's give you, for instance, last week. Everybody okay? Made a change last week, and I've been listening to podcasts when I'm commuting, go here, wherever, and I'm in my truck, and um, I've got a nice sound system and all that. And I've been listening to uh, podcasts a lot. um, But I just heard him say, you spend some time with me? I said, "Uh uh uh-huh. Sometimes when God speaks, he'll just show you something you used to do. When I was an 18-year-old boy, I had a cassette tape player that ran on batteries. And, you know, I could plug it into the sound system in my little 1976 uh, uh, Mercury, what was that, Bobcat. And uh, I, would, uh, I would turn it on. Some of you know what that is, right? My, my brother called it the Hallelujah Wagon because I had a, because I had a, uh, I had a license plate on the front that said, Hallelujah, Jesus is Lord. It was yellow. <laughs> Everybody saw it before they saw the car. And uh, anyway, but I, I, I would, while I was driving anywhere I went, I was so hungry. And this is what God reminded me of last week. I was so hungry for him. I was so burnt out with the flesh, almost out of my teen years, so burnt out with drugs and mess. Oh, and just to have the freshness of Jesus was amazing to me. You know how you remember how that felt for you? And I would just listen to the word on cassette tape. At the time, it was Alexander Scorby, who's an Englishman, that had recorded the Bible on cassette tape. And I'd bought the whole thing. 
And I, sometimes the Holy Spirit would speak to me in Alexander Scorby's voice, that British brogue. And, uh, but I listened to it all, and he reminded me of that. And you know what I started doing last week? I heard him say, I want you to go back. Why? Just listen to my word, man. Just spend some time with me. And y'all, <laughs> I started doing that. And, you know, you got the version Bible, and uh, it, with Bluetooth, connects to my truck. And I've been, that's all I've been doing. That and just sitting there and coming in tonight. Susan, I didn't even turn that on. And we were just driving along, praying a little bit, you know, for the service. And she's in children's ministry tonight. But the presence of Jesus was there. And I feel the Lord saying, make some room. Do you hear me? Make some room for him. We can get so busy doing things for Jesus, we don't have time for uh, to spend with him. And the power that will come today. It will be power that comes from time spent alone in the quiet place, in the secret place, entering your closet, shutting your door, Seeking him. I know that's in my notes. The enemy wants to keep you from doing that. He really wants to keep you high and dry. You can be actively doing things for Jesus, but he's doing something different. The emphasis has shifted, and you're still back doing things he did a long time ago instead of following what he's doing now. Did you hear what I just said? Don't forget Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but the emphases change according to the needs in an individual, a family, a nation, a culture, or a time. And where I was praying, uh, October of 2021, on a Wednesday, and I was sitting on my couch after I finished praying, and I heard the word epoch. You're in an epoch. An epoch is a, is, is, a, is a defining moment of time that differentiates where you were from where you're going. And when he said that, I had no clue. I said, why in the world did you give me that word? God gives me word, just one word. He gave me that word. I said, and I see it now. We're living in a time that God's making changes. Jesus is coming back. We're entering that judgment phase. Y'all, the, the United States is in for some big, bad trouble. Do you know that? Uh, now listen, they, they've bailed the financial markets temporarily. But that is not over yet. Mark my words. So, take a little aside. I've been saying, Lord, what do you do with that? And, he, you know, one of my mentors in the Lord was Kenneth Hagin. And he said this over and over. And I never understood it as a young boy in my 20s. But he said, he said, I go as much by what God doesn't say as by what he does say. So if God's not saying anything particular, and if I'm asking him to speak, he wants me to keep doing what I'm doing. And if he wants me to make some changes, he knows how to get a hold of me because I'm listening and asking. 
So here's what you do today. How many hear me? So what I'm doing today, I'm saying, God, James 1. Everybody okay? I'm off my notes. I can't even get back to them. <laughs> James 1 said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That gives to all men liberally without favoritism, and it'll be given him. Right? So y'all, I've been hitting it. I'm on my face saying, God, I need wisdom. I need wisdom with my wife. I need, my, I need wisdom with my four grown children who are married, and I have my eight grandchildren. Lord, I need wisdom to pastor this church. I need wisdom with my finances. I need wisdom with my relationships. I need wisdom with my time. I need wisdom with how I maintain my body. I need wisdom. I need wisdom from you. So I'm asking you to show me anything I need to change, anything I need to alter, anything I need to do different. I'm hearing. I want to hear. One thing that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He won't speak of Himself, but whatever He hears, He will speak. John 16, 13, and He will show you things to come. I trust Him. I do hear Him saying, it's time to get close Get it right by getting close. Do you hear what I just said? Get rid of the fluff. Take some extra time to wait on God. I, I have been doing that. And uh, what I can tell you is there is, a, um, <laughs> there is a sweet presence of God that is available for you and me today. How many hear me? There's something about the presence of God that will enable you to endure the most difficult thing in life. You may be in a hard relationship. Your, your job may be difficult and trying. Maybe you're going through a change in life, and that's a, a testy time for you. Some of you are tested by your children. See, I feel in the atmosphere. You see, you'll be able to endure that test by spending time with Him. Because when you spend time with Him, you become strong in the Lord. We just started with that verse. How do you become strong in the Lord? By letting Him absorb you into Him. In Him we live and move and have our being. They preached it in the book of Acts, right? What does that mean? That means everything I want to do, everything I'm planning to do, everything I have done, I lay at his feet and say, Lord, I need you to breathe life on this. And if you can't breathe life on what I'm doing, why am I doing it? Right? One step further. It's a cleansing time in the body of Christ. Malachi 3, 2. He comes as a refiner's fire. And he comes as a launderer's soap. We're baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire. The fire is a purifier. The autoclave instruments in the medical field. God wants to autoclave us. So this really, all this kind of works together. It's time of consecration. How many hear me? Yeah. That consecration is where the power is going to be today. That consecration is going to give you an ability to withstand when the enemy attacks you and tells you you're cuckoo. You're crazy for spending time with God and not doing this, that, and the other, or not continuing with, with something that God says, lope off. 
Some things I've been wanting to do make practical common sense to me. And as I start to go there, there, it feels like there's a deadness as I go do that. And it's like, God, are you telling me to cut that off? Uh Uh-huh. Do you hear me? What do you have to have? What's encroaching on your time that you could spend with the Lord or ministering life and helping other people? Now's not the time to make your flesh stronger. Now's the time to make the flesh, speaking of things that hinder your spiritual life, weaker and making your spiritual life stronger. Yes or no? I got all this I want to say. I was going to talk about our authority, but it turned this way. Just just, uh, close your eyes right where you're at right now. We've got to stop. Lord, every person in this room is well known by you. We just worship you, sir. I feel you saying, take time. Take the time. Take the time. Spend more time. I don't know if I clearly described what I was doing. I started taking the Bible app and just listening to the Bible in my truck. It's made a, even just that little bit has made a lot of difference. It's amazing. I've spent more time just reading my Bible. I read a lot of other books and study other books and things. I'm just feeling him saying, press in. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. When he's speaking to believers today, clean it up. Clean up your life. Music that hinders you. Relationships that dry out your spiritual life. And that quench your zeal and fire for God. He's saying make some adjustments. Only you will know what that means. Things you're watching, things you're ingesting that are opposite of spiritual purity and power. I hear him saying, lay it aside. Let me also say there's a lot of grace today. We're to come boldly before the throne of grace, Hebrews 4.16 says. that we might find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. Whatever it is that you, so people, I, I, people online and you're in here, you're struggling with stuff. I don't care what you're struggling with. You may be struggling with pride. You may be struggling with fear. You may be struggling with wanting to be heard, appreciated more. You may be struggling in your marriage. You may be struggling with loneliness. I I felt that when we first started the service. Everything you need, you'll find in Jesus. He is of his fullness. Colossians 2 says, we have all received in grace for grace. He is the the fullness of God. Jesus is. Pour your heart out. Maybe it's a fleshly thing you are wrestling with. Now it's men or women. You're messing with porn? Cry out, say, God, I don't, need, I don't want that stuff. You're messing with alcohol? You dominate your life? Various kinds of pharmaceuticals that keep you up or keep you down? Cry out. Bondage is in your life. And this is the day you say, Lord, I, I don't want that. I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that. Help me overcome that. 
This is the day if you'll ask that in sincerity. He will oblige you and help you. He's a very present help huh, in our time of need. Lord, we love you and bless you. Just take a moment right now. Tell, Lord what, tell the Lord what it is. You may want to make some consecrations. If you feel that, go for it. You may be here and say, I ain't consecrating. Well, you know what? That's your choice. 100% then do this. Say, God, if there's something I need to change, talk to me. Speak to me. Draw me near. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. Lord, thank you. Lord, we, we come to church to have service, but you know, we, we need to meet with you. Bless you, Father. Glory to God. Lord, minister life to every person in this room. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, let the presence of Jesus come into every life. Talk to us. Lord, let the fire come back inside. Let the first love come back. You know, if you can be honest with God and say, Lord, I've left my, I've done that so many times. Say, Lord, I feel like I've left my first love. I actually did last week. I, I, I thought, you know, if anybody's hot for God, it's me. But now I say, God, you know, I, I was so hungry for the word when I first came to you. I want that hunger back like that. Because I had to spend every moment with you. So for me, I heard him say, come back to that deep, deep hunger. So what is it for you? Maybe you're disappointed in yourself. Lay that at his feet. Maybe you've not done what you think you should do. Well, lay it at his feet. Don't wallow in it. Just say, God, I need help. He's a very present help. I don't, just stop the music a minute. Thank you, Lord. Lord, let that presence that's in this room Lord, let it come upon every person here and let it create a desire to be close. Let that desire to be close, let it rise up in every person here. So, Let us put off the religious things, the religious facades, the religious words. Oh, God. Glory to God. You know, the scripture says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. So talk to him right now. Lord, we just talk to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a person you're frustrated with another person, and it is keeping you from the Lord. You need to let that person go. I mean, you lay, what do you do? You lay them at Jesus' feet. Say, Lord, now that person hurt me, disappointed me, frustrated me, did it wrong. And you know it and I know it. Lay it at his feet. You can't change it. Lord, help us with those, pain, those, those relational pains, hurts, in Jesus' name. Help us to forgive and let go. What would you do? How would you treat them? How would you respond? Help us, Lord.
Hallelujah. You know, I get close to get into the presence like this. Songs come to me. I was raised in the Southern Baptist Church. And I think I memorized the Baptist hymnal. Some of these songs I wanted to throw away because I thought they were unbelief, but some of them come back and I hear the Holy Ghost say, sing it. Here's one of them. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. I, I wouldn't sing that for uh, uh, when I first came to the Lord because I, I heard people tell me that it was... Uh, so negative. But you know, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Cross is a vulgar place. The cross is a horrible thing in the first century. It was the worst form of capital punishment known. It was a horrible thought, the cross. And Jesus said, take up your cross. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice. And it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine and draw me nearer nearer blessed lord to the cross where thou hast died draw me nearer nearer blessed lord to thy precious bleeding side oh the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer, and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. So draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. So draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Now stay right there. Several things. See? Somebody here? There's an anger in you. And when you don't get your way, you let it known with you let it be known with anger. And it's created problems in your home. It's created problems with your children. 
You've, you've, you've mucked up the water at, at work too. See, those are the things you say, Lord, I lay that anger at your feet. Lord, whoever that is, all of us, if you're messing with anger, I say, I have to deal with anger. Lord, we place our anger and our upsetness at your feet. Help us to deal with these things, Lord, that get in the way and that we let get in the way. Oh, Jesus' name. There's a man here. I, I, you, are, you, you don't want it, but pornography is dogging your tracks. And see, God has great compassion on you. You take that desire for that. Say, Lord, I, if you tell him, say, Lord, I, I, my flesh wants that. My eyes want to see that. I want to lust. You take that to his throne and say, God, you know what I do, and nobody knows but you. And you lay that at his feet. Say, God, I don't want that in my life. My flesh wants it, but my spirit despises it. Tell him. Tell him. I break the power of that pornographic habit in the name of Jesus. You foul devil, take your hands off of his mind in the name of Jesus. Now, if you'll do what I just said as I pray that, it'll lift off of you. And God will enable you by his grace to leave that habit behind. There's a person, there's a lady here. Uh, you project yourself on your job and with your friends. You think you're so smart and you think you have just the right answers, but it's hindering God from using you in so many ways. And you think that you're ruling the roost and that you're making a difference, but what you're doing is you're dominating people with your personality. And God's had enough of it. It's hindering you. It's even affecting your relationship at home. It's affecting your children. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, tell him. Lay it at his feet. See, when I spoke that, if that's you, you know it's you. Lord, we lay that at your feet in the name of Jesus. Lord, in Jesus' name. Just tell him, Lord, I release that. I don't want to be that way. I don't know how to change that. Tell him. But, but I ask you to work in me. I surrender that to you. See, when you take up your cross and you follow Jesus, that's what you're doing. See? See? That's how it works. See, right on the other hand, here's another person here. You're so backwards and shy, and God wants you to get up there and, and smile and speak and voice your thoughts. But you're too, you're too withdrawn. Lay all that at his feet. Lay the fear of people at his feet. The fear of having a, an opinion that somebody disagrees with. Lay it at his feet. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we worship you. In Jesus' name. Lord, all that we're not, all that we don't need to be, we lay at your feet. Lord, all of these things, all of these things, ha, huh, habits. Here's a person, boy, you're hooked on junk food. Now, this, this comes up. God's speaking to you. I want you to surrender that to me. You mean really? Yeah. It's not that you can't have that every once in a while, but every day a lot? Mm -mm. It's messing with you. It's hurting you. See, so lay it at his feet. Glory to God. We worship you, son. 
Father God, we lay ourselves at your feet. Glory to God, we bless the Lord. Lord, we worship and bless you. We bless you. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. Hallelujah. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Hallelujah. Just turn the light. Can you all turn the lights down a little bit? We got to go, but this is here. Bless you, Father. Lord, every person in this room is special to you. Every person in this room is precious to you. Every person in this room is deeply, deeply loved by you. We love him because he first loved us. So, Lord, Abagosama. All of the upsetness that we feel about ourselves. I feel this really strongly, y'all. Disappointments. You ever disappointed yourself? Acted the wrong way so much you just frustrated with you? You're angry with yourself? Give it to Jesus. Everybody pray this out loud. Heavenly Father, you know me, you see me, you understand everything about me. You know when I stand up, when I sit down, you know all of my ways, all of my thoughts, all of my motives, all of my words, all of my ambitions. And right now, I lay them at your feet in the name of Jesus. Lord, help me to want what you want and to hate what you hate. Help me to love what you love and not want what I shouldn't have. I lay those things at your feet, sir. Help me. Help me overcome them. In Jesus' name.